God is glorious in His saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Dr. Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this episode, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate St. John Kochurov, also known as St. John of Chicago. He was the first of many priests martyred in the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. St. John was born on July the 13th, 1871, in a village in the Ryazan region of Russia. He was the son of a priest and himself aspired to the priesthood. He studied at the Danke Theological School and then at Ryazan Theological Seminary. He excelled academically and gained admittance to the prestigious St. Petersburg Theological Academy. After his graduation and marriage to Ms. Alexandra Chenishova, St. John was sent to the Russian Orthodox Diocese of the Aleutians and Alaska. He was ordained as a priest there in 1895 by Nicholas, the bishop of that diocese, and was then sent to St. Vladimir's Cathedral in Chicago. Here is an account from the website of the Orthodox Church in America regarding the beginning of St. John's ministry in Chicago. Assigned in 1895 by order of the Holy Synod to be a parish priest at St. Vladimir's Cathedral in Chicago, Father John was put in touch with a parish life that was strikingly different from the Orthodox parishes in Russia, which were organized and rooted in a living tradition many centuries old. Being a lonely island of Orthodox Christian life, remotely situated many hundreds of miles from the other scattered Orthodox parishes in North America, St. Vladimir's Church in Chicago, together with the Church of the Three Hierarchs in the town of Strita, with which it was affiliated, in the less than three years of its existence, still had not managed to become formed as a parish in the full sense of this word. And it indeed required heroic labours from the young Father John to be established in a proper way. Beginning his work at the parish of Chicago and Streeter, which was rather small and multinational in its constituency, Father John nourished these people, who were representatives of a rather poor class of immigrants in the Orthodox Confession. He was never able to be supported in his work by a sound parish community having at its disposal sufficiently large material means. In one of his articles written in December 1898, Father John gave the following vivid description of the Chicago Streeter parish community. 
The Orthodox parish of St. Vladimir's Church in Chicago consists of a small number of the original Russians, Galician and Hungarian Slavs, Arabs, Bulgarians and Arabians. The majority of the parishioners are working people who earn their bread by toiling not far from where they live on the outskirts of the city. Affiliated with this parish in Chicago is the Church of the Three Hierarchs in the city of Strita. This place and the town of Kengli are situated 94 miles from Chicago and they are famous for their coal mines. The Orthodox parish there consists of the Slovaks who work there who have been converted from the Union. The unique characteristics of the Chicago Streeter parish community demanded of Father John a deaf combination of pastoral liturgical skills with missionary ones. These abilities would permit him not only to stabilize the membership of his parish community spiritually and administratively, but to enlarge his flock continually by means of conversions or by the return to orthodoxy of the ethnically diverse Christians living in Illinois. Already during the first three years of Father John's parish service, 86 Uniates and five Catholics were added to the Orthodox Church, bringing the number of permanent parishioners up to 215 men in Chicago and 88 in Streeter. There were two functioning church schools, affiliated with the parishes, with more than 20 pupils enrolled in them. The course consisted of Saturday classes during the school year and daily classes during the school vacations. In his work, Father John continued the best traditions of the Russian Orthodox Diocese in North America. He organized in Chicago and Streeter the St. Nicholas and Three Hierarchs Brotherhoods, which established a goal of setting up a program of social and material mutual aid among the parishioners of the Chicago Streeter Parish as members of the Orthodox Mutual Aid Society. One important challenge to the Orthodox community in Chicago of this time was the lack of a suitable church building. St. Vladimir's Cathedral was in a cramped, rented location in the southwestern part of the city. St. John was instrumental in the efforts to build a new cathedral in the city. This included making a trip to Russia to fundraise for the project. Financing for this construction was a big challenge, since the Orthodox community in Chicago was largely comprised of poor immigrants. The cathedral he built, designed by the renowned architect Louis Sullivan, is known today as the Holy Trinity Cathedral in Chicago. It is listed on the U.S. National Register of Historic Places and is designated a Chicago landmark. Let us read a description of this building from the website of the Chicago Architecture Center. Louis Sullivan designed just two houses of worship in his entire career. 
The only one still intact is Holy Trinity Russian Orthodox Cathedral in Chicago. It looks as if it might have been plucked from a small town in southern Russia. Set on a quiet street in the Ukrainian village, it's a rare gem that conceals an intimate, ornate interior, redolent with incense. The founders of Chicago's first Orthodox congregation were largely immigrants from southern Russia. When they decided to build a church, they didn't look for inspiration from the grandiose buildings of urban northern Russia. Instead, they sought the comfort of a familiar style, derived from the small rural churches of their native lands. Key elements of this Russian provincial style include an octagonal dome, a bell tower centered over the front entrance, roof peaks surmounted by the distinctive three-barred Russian cross. Armed with funding from Russian Tsar Nicholas II, the congregation engaged Louis Sullivan to design the cathedral. He drew on Byzantine and Russian provincial styles, but included his own distinctive touches. Abstract, decorative designs are carved and painted in the woodwork, betraying the influence of the Art Nouveau and arts and crafts movements. Interpreting traditional styles through a contemporary lens allowed Sullivan to create what he hoped would be considered one of the most unique and poetic buildings in the country. He was likely influenced by the theories of architect Eugène Violet Le Duc. Violet Le Duc believed that the best revival of her historical building or style isn't necessarily a precise replication of something that once was, but an adaptation designed to maximize appeal to modern viewers. St. John was a well-loved priest in all his time in Chicago, working under challenging circumstances. In his first nine years of service, he was the only Orthodox parish priest in Chicago. His efforts were recognized in the First Council of the Diocese of North America and the Aleutians in 1905, when a ceremony was held to celebrate St. John's 10th anniversary of service in Chicago. The ceremony was presided by St. Raphael of Brooklyn. He was given a gold pectoral cross as an anniversary gift. The following is a transcript of a speech at this ceremony from the American Orthodox Messenger. Directly after your study at seminary, having left the motherland, you came to this strange land to expend all your youthful energy, to devote all your strength and inspiration for that holy concern to which you were attracted in your vocation. A hard legacy was left for you. The church in Chicago was located then in an untidy church setting, in a wet, half-ruined building 
the parish with its loosely defined parish membership scattered over the huge city with a heterodox population torn asunder by the wild beasts. All that could fill the soul of a young labourer with great confusion. All that could fill the soul of a young labourer with great confusion. But you bravely accepted the task of selecting a precious spark from the pile of rubbish to fan the sacred fire into a small group of the faithful. You were forgetful of yourself. Calamities, illnesses, the poor location of your house, with its ramshackle walls, floors, and cracks that gave open access to the outer elements, with destructive effects on your health and the health of your family members. Your babies were sick, your wife was not quite healthy, and bitter bouts of rheumatism seem to wish to destroy your confidence, to exhaust your energy. We greet you, remembering another of your good deeds, the performance of which is plated as an unfading laurel in the crown of honour of your decade of sacred service. We have in mind here your sacrificial service in the office of chairman of our beloved Mutual Aid Society, in the office of censor to our enlightening missionary publishing house, and in spreading wide our evangelical efforts, organizing the parishes in Madison, Illinois, and Hartshorn, Oklahoma. To complete your tribute, let us mention another circumstance, which magnifies the valor of your labor and the grandeur of its results. The remoteness of your parish in Chicago has torn you from your bonds with your colleagues in America, depriving you during these years of the chance to see your brother pastors. You were bereft of that which for the majority of us adorns the missionary service through which we pass. How touching and how great a degree of isolation was yours is witnessed by the fact that you had to baptize your children yourself because of the absence of the other priests around you. Let this holy cross we present serve you as a sign of our brotherly love and the image of our Lord's crucifixion on it permit you to accept the hardships, misfortunes and sufferings that are so often met within the life of a missionary priest and let it encourage you to more and more labors for the glory of the giver of exploits and the chief shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. Despite his successful ministry in America, St. John desired to return to his homeland. He had only been back to Russia once during his entire ministry in the United States. In 1907, his application for a release from the Diocese of North America and the Aleutians was granted, and he returned home and was assigned to the Holy Transfiguration Cathedral in Narva, a city which today is in Estonia on the Russian border. He was assigned to teach theological studies in two schools in Narva, where his children were enrolled. 
1916, St. John was assigned as a parish priest in St. Catherine's Cathedral in Sarskoye Selo. Only a year later, the Bolshevik Revolution would break out. On October the 30th, 1917, the town was hit by artillery fire from the Bolsheviks, and the Cossack soldiers guarding the city were forced to retreat. St. John would soon be murdered by the Bolsheviks. This account of the martyrdom of St. John Kochurov is from the website of the Orthodox Church in America. For several days after the October 1917 seizure of power by the Bolsheviks in Petrograd, reverberations from the momentous events happening in the capital were felt in Sarskoye Selo. Attempting to drive General Paul Krasnow's Cossack troops, which were still loyal to the provisional government, out of Sarskoye Selo, the armoured groups of the Red Guard the soldiers and sailors supporting the Bolshevik upheaval were coming there from Petrograd. On the morning of October 30th, 1917, stopping at the outskirts of Sarskoye Selo, the Bolshevik forces began to expose the town to artillery fire. The inhabitants of Sarskoye Selo, like those in all of Russia, still did not suspect that the country was involved in a civil war. A tumult erupted, with many people running to the Orthodox churches, including St. Catherine's, in hopes of finding prayerful serenity at the services, and hearing from the Ambon a pastoral exhortation pertaining to the events taking place. All the clergy of St. Catherine's Cathedral eagerly responded to their flock's spiritual entreaties, and a special molibun, or prayer service, seeking an end to the civil conflict, was offered beneath the arches of the church, which was jammed with worshippers. Afterwards, the dean of the cathedral, the archpriest and Smirnov, together with two other priests, Father John and Father Stephen Foko, reached a decision to organize a sacred procession in the town, with the reading of fervent prayers for a cessation of the fratricidal civil strife. The pages of the newspaper, All Russian Church Social Messenger, presented for several days the testimony of a certain Petrograd newspaper correspondent describing the events which had taken place as follows. The sacred procession had to be relocated under the conditions of an artillery bombardment, and notwithstanding any predictions, it was rather crowded. The lamentations and cries of women and children drown out the words of the peace prayer. Two priests delivered sermons during the procession, calling the people to preserve tranquility in view of the impending trials. I was fortunate enough to understand clearly that the priest's sermons did not contain any political tinges. The holy procession lingered. Twilight changed into darkness. Candles were lit in the hands of the praying people. Everybody was singing. Precisely at that time, the Cossacks were withdrawing from the town. The priests were warned about it. Isn't it time to stop the prayers? 
we shall carry our duties to completion, they declared. These have departed from us, and those who are coming are our brothers. What kind of harm will they do us? Wishing to prevent an outbreak of fighting in the streets of Sarskoye-Selo, the Cossack leadership began to withdraw troops from the town on the evening of October the 30th, and on the morning of the 31st, the Bolshevik forces entered Sarskoye-Selo, encountering no opposition. One of the anonymous witnesses to the aftermath of these tragic events wrote a letter to the prominent St. Petersburg Archpriest F. Ornatsky, who himself was destined to receive martyrdom at the hands of the godless authorities. The writer told in simple but profound words of the passion-bearing that became the destiny of Father John. Yesterday on October 31st, he wrote, when the Bolsheviks, together with the Red Guard, entered Sarskoye Selo, they began to make the rounds of the apartments of the military officers, making arrests. Father John Kuchurov was conveyed to the outskirts of the town, to St. Theodore's Cathedral, and there they assassinated him because of the fact that those who organized the sacred procession had allegedly been praying for a victory by the Cossacks, which surely was not and could not have been what actually happened. The other clergymen were released yesterday evening. Thus, there has appeared another martyr for the faith in Christ. The deceased, though he had not been in Sarskoye Selo for long, had gained the utmost love of all, and many people used to gather to listen to his preaching. The Petrograd journalist mentioned earlier reconstructed a terrifying picture of Father John's martyrdom and its aftermath, ascertaining these details. The priests were captured and sent to the headquarters of the Council of the Working and Soldiers' Deputies. A priest, Father John Kochurov, was trying to protest and to clarify the situation. He was hit several times on his face. With cheers and yelling, the enraged mob conveyed him to the Sarskoye Selo airdrome. Several rifles were raised against the defenseless pastor. A shot thundered out, and then another, after which the priest fell down on the ground, and blood spilled upon his cassock. Death did not come to him immediately. He was pulled by his hair, and somebody suggested, finish him off like a dog. The next morning, the body was brought into the former palace hospital. According to the newspaper, the People's Affair, the head of the State Duma, together with one of its members, saw the body of the priest, but the pectoral cross was already gone from his breast. St. John would be the first of tens of thousands of priests arrested and murdered by the Bolsheviks during their rule. Countless Orthodox lay people also suffered and faced martyrdom. Churches were destroyed and desecrated. 
But nonetheless, the Russian Orthodox Church endured, outlasting the Bolsheviks' Soviet Union. In 1994, St. John Kochurov was glorified as a saint. We will read from the proclamation by Alexei, the Patriarch of Moscow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, cognizant of her unbroken connection with the synaxis of the new martyrs of Russia, the Russian Orthodox Church continues to glorify individually those who during the persecutions to which the Orthodox Church in Russia was subjected, through their righteous lives and martyrs' death, manifested the highest ideal given to the Church of Christ by the Holy Apostle Paul. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. The first clergyman of the Russian Orthodox Church, whom our Lord Jesus Christ made worthy of bearing a martyr's crown in the 20th century from the hands of the godless Bolshevik authorities, the first murdered Russian Orthodox priest, about whom the holy confessor Patriarch Tikhon said, adorned with a martyr's crown, the reposed pastor now stands before the throne of God among the chosen faithful of Christ's flock, was destined to be the zealous parish priest and inspired witness even unto death of Christ's truth. Archpriest John Kochurov, who met a martyr's death at the hands of apostates and fighters of God on October 31, 1917, in Sarskoye Selo. The Holy Council, having examined the zealous service and martyr's death of Archpriest John Kochurov, is convinced of the holiness of his deeds and hereby decrees that Archpriest John Kochurov, killed in Sarskoye Selo by persecutors of the Church of Christ on October the 31st, 1917, be numbered among the hieromartyrs for churchwide veneration that the righteous remains of Hieromata John, buried in Sarskoye Selo, henceforth be considered holy relics and left to the care of God's mercy until such time as they may be uncovered. That the service to Hieromata John, following this the day of his glorification, be the general service for martyrs and that a blessing is given for the composition of a special service to him. That the memory of Haramata John be celebrated on October the 31st, according to the Julian calendar. That the memory of Haramata John be included in the synaxis of the new martyrs and confessors of Russia. That an icon for veneration of the newly glorified Haramata John be written according to the decree of the Seventh Economical Council that the life of Haramata John be published for the edification of the Church's faithful in piety, that, on behalf of the Holy Council, the great and grace-filled joy of the glorification of the new Haramata of Russia be announced to the flock of all the Rus, 
that the name of the newly glorified Hiromata be made known to the primates of the sister Orthodox churches for inclusion in their calendars. Through the intercessions and prayers of Hiromata John, may the Lord strengthen the faith of all the faithful of the Russian Orthodox Church and bestow his blessing upon them. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use so more people can find the Christian Saints podcast. We will end this episode with the Traparin and Contakin for St. John of Chicago. You were revealed to all as a true shepherd, O Hiramata John of Chicago, for you nurtured your people in the Orthodox faith, guiding them by word and deed on the path of salvation, and defended the faith even unto the shedding of your blood. Therefore, we, your spiritual children, cry out in thanksgiving. Glory to him who gave you strength. Glory to him who granted you the martyr's crown. Glory to him who through you grants mercy to all. Now the holy Haramata is glorified, for he took up his cross and followed Christ. In so doing, he gave us a model of true discipleship. Therefore, let us cry aloud to him. Rejoice, O Father John, the glory of priests. Thank you.